0: Hey everybody, happy Monday, it is Monday, March 13th, 2023, boy a lot of threes in that date. I'm Larry Jacobs, this is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, sorry for turning the music off so abruptly like that, it's nice to have you here with us today, or maybe you're listening on the archives, you know we archive all of our shows, just go over to ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org, that's our home website for the American Consortium. For Equity in Education, Education Talk Radio, our podcast is the voice of the American Consortium for Equity in Education. There's a podcast link. Just go there. You'll see every podcast we've ever done, including this one. We've got a good one today. We're going to be talking about the transition. Between elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, and I'm going to get into that was uh, hard for me to do way, way, way back when. And we're going to talk about supporting that with my good friends from uh, the Center for Responsive Schools, and they have a program over there called Responsive Classroom. So we're going to put those two things together and see how that program from the center can help teachers, help kids make the transition from elementary to secondary or from middle school to uh, high school. It's tough. It's tough on kids. We all know that. So uh, we're going to have a, uh, uh, a a lovely time with Kristen and Joe and uh, Karen, who are all here from the uh, Center for Responsive Schools. Go over to ace-ed.org. Everything we do over there is free for educators. We're all about equity at the consortium. You'll see everything at our brand new website. Okay. Same address, new house. Okay. It's really, really cool. Okay, we're very proud of what we're doing over there, especially of our magazine, which is called Equity and Access, the online journal. It's got all the equity awards in it this month. Okay, so please check it out. You'll see what your colleagues are doing for equity, what companies out there are doing for equity, etc., etc. And hopefully when we do the awards this year, you'll be able to nominate someone, perhaps even yourself. Okay, and, uh, you know, really get a national award for doing a good job. So please, it's ace Ed. Dot org. Okay, and without further ado, let me bring on Joe and Karen and Kristen. And we're going to start with Kristen. Hi, Kristen. It's Larry here. Hi, Larry.
1: Great to hear from you again.
0: Thank you. Are you are you getting <laughs> snow? You got in Western Massachusetts. You getting snow tomorrow?
1: You predicted? It is predicted. Yeah. It's. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're supposed to get a lot up here in Maine quote a nor'easter we'll see what happens okay dr. Joe Tilley hello Joe hi Larry how are you I'm oh, fine my friend how you doing
2: doing very well thank you so much it's That's, great to be with that, you
0: again it's a pleasure to have you here again sir I'm glad you're back you're the pro oh by the way you're the program research manager for responsive classroom Kristen is Director of Marketing for the Center for Responsive Schools, of which Responsive Classroom is one of the programs. And Karen Paplosky, Pop, excuse me, Paplosky, okay, is the Chief Program Officer, first-timer here at Education Talk Radio. Are you scared? It's very nerve-wracking, Karen, very nerve-wracking.
3: I've heard it's very nerve-wracking, Larry, but I've heard incredible. that you also make a fabulous experience, so I'm it's- happy to join you.
0: It's a, it's 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 like being interviewed how you feel about the war in the Ukraine by Vladimir Putin. It's very very stressful, okay, very stressful. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so now welcome Happy Karen, It's great to have you here. I got to tell you, okay. And by the way, where were you? Where where did you spend your career? I know you were ten years as classroom teacher. I have a note here, and seven years as a principal. Where were you all that time?
3: So I um, live in Indiana, so my teaching career was primarily in Indianapolis, and my principalship was primarily, most of the years were at a school in Gary,
0: um, out, oh, wow.
3: about an hour outside of Chicago.
0: Well, I've been to Gary. Believe me, I've been to Gary. Okay, I used to live in Chicago, okay? In fact, I can yeah. even sing yeah. you the song. Gary, Indiana. Oh. Gary, Indiana. Yes. you
3: know that okay. you, my, <laughs> my old
0: hometown. Yeah, it's a pretty cool city. Okay, and Well, wow, that's interesting. I haven't talked to somebody from Gary in a long, long time. Okay, and I, yeah. I remember Gary when I'd go through it. It was all very industrial. I remember that. Was it still that way it when is, you were there?
3: It is. The Northwest Indiana region is home to many
0: um, steel mills. So.
3: I actually live in La Port, Michigan City area, about sure. an hour
0: away. I've been away, there, too. I've so been there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good for you. Okay, it's a pleasure to have you here. Okay, and how's the weather out there in the Midwest compared to here in the Northeast?
3: Um, I have some snow right now, so that that, that weather is going to be heading your way.
0: But Yes, it I is. Thank you now. very much. Thank you. We appreciate You're that. Cause
3: we like would love give, snow we like here to give in the that North gift here. To East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We
0: love it. It's, it's fun to plow and shovel. Let don't, nobody tell you different. Okay. Good luck with that today. Hey, let's talk about this uh, transition between elementary, middle, and high school. And I just want to start it off by saying I, I remember so well the transition from. Uh, my elementary school, okay, which was this uh, like, like a cocoon. I was like, we were all like little larvae, okay. And suddenly we became, um, uh, I guess, we, in junior high we kind of became like maggoty, and we we burst out into the world. And they they threw us into a gigantic junior high school with no preparation that had seven or eight feeder elementary schools into it, okay. So you're into this gigantic thing with kids and teachers you had no idea what the heck was going on and I remember it was a terrible experience for yours truly okay and Kristen okay what about you do you remember when you transitioned from elementary to secondary I sure do um, I remember it
1: well you
0: were one of those cool girls who did great were you one of those like, <laughs> really cool girls right
1: no, sir. Not when no, I was a uh, young adolescent. I don't think anyone is cool when they're <laughs> a young adolescent.
0: <laughs> yes. How was your training? But um,
1: I do remember yes. my middle school was grades five, six, seven, and eight. So I actually had the privilege of spending a bit more time there to be able to, you know, get my feet under me before moving on yeah. to high school. But a lot of middle schools are really just six, seven, and 8th, or 7th and 8th grade, and you're really yeah. there for a couple of years. So it is a whirlwind.
0: Yeah. But mine was we transitioned back in the old days in Philly from, uh, and I'm talking about the old, old days, okay, when I was there, okay, and, and we, we transitioned from a uh, K-6 elementary to a seven, eight, nine, this will show my age, everybody, junior high school. Okay? Where the teachers were secondary teachers. They had no training in dealing with younger kids. Okay. I don't care what anybody says, they mm-hmm. did in those days. They were subject trained. Okay? And the place was gigantic. There were probably there were probably three thousand kids in the school. There was a gigantic school. All right, Joe, what about you? Do you remember your transition back then? Whatever I do, yeah. So I How was
2: um, I grew up. In the, uh, I I grew up in a K eight school, and then my seventh oh, wow. grade year, we opened a brand new middle school, and so I, I can remember it being a, a real challenge um, because it was it was just such a different environment, and there were so many um, really honestly, I can remember so many assumptions made, um, and so yeah, it wasn't
0: wasn't the greatest. No, it was not the greatest. And what side of the world were you on? Were you like me? I I, I was like the one who was always getting picked on versus the, the really cool guys, you know, that were well-dressed. I, I was never that well-dressed, and I retain that to this day. Okay? Jo, Joe, how, what, was, what, what side of the world were you on back then,
2: as you, as you remember? Well, assuming no one that I know is listening, then I'll say I was the cool guy. Um, there you go. But <laughs> <the> truth, Yeah. <laughs> The truth is, um, I, too, was one of those kind of awkward kids that uh, was, was a bit of a target. There you go. Target, you're
0: target one. I'm target two. And now we go to, I'm sure, <laughs> one of the cool girls. Karen, what was yours like? Karen, that transition yeah. many years ago.
3: Um, I think it was it was a little mix of excited because we were merging with another middle or another elementary so we had a chance yeah. to meet some new people but oh, also a little nerve-wracking trying to figure out how to navigate the big building you know and I just remember yeah. how I was excited about having my trapper keeper to keep everything all organized, so I knew where to go, and my time <laughs> at my locker would be minimal, so I could. Great. I was really worried about getting to class on time. I remember that, as I, I really was worried about being late or being tardy to class, and how I was going to navigate all that. But I was too. That's I made it through.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. We all make it through somehow. Okay, we but it, it, for it, me, it was it was really tough. And again, I was I was in urban Philadelphia, okay, where the schools were huge, huge, okay. So you, it was really a jumble. You said you merged with another elementary. We we merged with five or six other elementaries, okay, and they were from every neighborhood. You know, a very, extremely diverse grouping of neighborhoods. Okay, which was good, okay, especially in these days, and you learn great lessons from that, but it was tough to deal with, okay, when you were a kid just emerging from the cocoon, okay, and that's what we're going to be talking about today because people really got to understand this because elementary school teachers are are far more nurturing, if I may, no offense, everybody, than secondary school teachers are trained to be, although secondary school educators like I – we try, but we weren't trained well in it. Hopefully that's changed. That's why we need programs like this. So let me swing sing this. Kristen, tell us about the Center for Responsive Schools. That's your overall company. And then tell us about your responsive classroom, how that fits in. Kristen. Kristen Vincent, everybody. Yeah,
1: thanks. Welcome. <laughs> um- So Center for Responsive Schools is a nonprofit organization, and we're committed to developing high-quality social and emotional learning and academic programs, products, and services for students and educators. And the founders of CRS developed an approach to education called Responsive Classroom. Mm -hmm. And Responsive Classroom is a student-centered approach to teaching and discipline it's a set of research and evidence-based practices designed to create safe, joyful, and engaging classroom and school communities for students and teachers. So it's really about, you know, paying attention to students and teachers feeling comfortable and safe and having fun in school and doing their best learning. And Responsive Classroom offers professional development workshops and courses and books and resources for teachers and school leaders. Yeah, they and we're really excited to join you today to talk about this new collection of resources we have called The Bridge Forward, which
0: is about school mm-hmm.
1: transitions.
0: And we're going to be talking about, about that. I want to ask you this, because you just said something. How, how, how old is the Center for Responsive Schools? How long have you guys been around? Mm, it's
1: been a, yeah, for over 40 years. So right. we've been around and, for a long time, and
0: yep. And you know what you said? I, I, I know you're used to saying it, Okay. Your program, if I may, is kind of an SEL program, a social-emotional learning program, but please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been around for 40 years, all right? You were ahead of the game, all right? This is key (laughs) stuff, and and I'm telling you, it's something – I really mean this. It's something that when I was a kid, which was many, many years ago, okay, it, it wasn't there. It wasn't there, but 40 years ago is 1980, and I hate to say mm-hmm. it to all of us, but that's a long time ago, okay? That's a long <laughs> yep. time ago, and to have even the thought of doing an SEL program properly and caring about the kids, okay? Not the academics, but the kids, if I may. I know you care okay. about academics, too, okay. okay? That's 40 years old, and been pushing that for 40 years. That's saying something okay, that's mm-hmm. really something, I really mean it it's, it's just, you have, when you put it into perspective you know, the SEL bandwagon which I think is important, this current one started 10 years ago or something when it really got to be a, a, a fervor out there in education but we're talking 40 mm-hmm. years ago you guys started this, so I congratulate you that's my, my big rant for this morning thank you Okay. <laughs> thank, thank you Larry, okay. I appreciate it you're welcome
2: you're, yeah, yeah. Yep. it's true
0: you were ahead of the game. And by the way, everybody, it's responsiveclassroom.org or crslearn.org. Okay? And they are all connected up here on the website as you're listening. All right? Joe, Dr. Joe, who's the program's research manager, Joe Tilley. Joe, Joe Where, by the way, where'd you go to school? I forgot to ask you. Where'd you uh, – when you were back in junior
2: high in the elementary, where were you? So I, I, was, I was in a place called Hickman County, Tennessee. So it's a rural area Ooh. about 45 uh, 45- – 50 minutes outside of nashville very 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 rural area especially when i was growing up
0: wow cool all right and so we got indianapolis we got indiana we got tennessee and Kristen, where were you
1: i was in somerset massachusetts
0: Ah, oh, there's a local girl makes good okay still in massachusetts <laughs> all right but i was in <laughs> philadelphia just <laughs> i just wanted to get that too straight all right joe you know, talk about the importance of all this. I mean, and it's not just elementary to middle school, because kids are one way. They're babies when they're making that transition, as far as I'm concerned, okay? And and, and But they're yeah. mid-adolescents when they're making the second one, which is even nuttier, okay? If it's anything like my mid adolescence, it's even nuttier, okay? Just talk <laughs> about what's, what's this all about in terms of you got to really support people, but what's the why behind it? Okay, talk about it, Joe.
2: Thank you so much, Larry. It's a it's you're a great buddy. question. Um, so you know, it, it's interesting because these transitions from from one grade band to an, to another, whether or not it's elementary, to middle, or middle high school, you know, they're full of anxiety to start with, and anxiety can can cause you to, um, you know, when when you're anxious, it, it takes your attention away from from things that otherwise it would be on. You combine that with a lot of the assumptions that are made that simply because you are now assigned to a sixth grade classroom that you have successfully navigated everything that came before. Or a ninth grade classroom that you've successfully navigated everything that that came before, and so what ends up happening is there's a lot of assumptions that are made on behalf of educators as well as school systems, and it's it's no fault of their own. It's just it's one of those things where I think it just in the interest of time and in the interest of teaching, sometimes these things can get lost in the in the kind of the fray. And so what we wanted to do was to, to to bring those to the forefront because when you're a student and you, you don't understand how to organize your locker, for example, because you've never had one before, and you're sitting well, in third that period. Don't
0: get me started, man.
2: You are right, dead on right. right on that. Wow. But there, wow. there's so many of Things that students have never had any experience with and so you go into third period math and you're sitting there and you're still thinking about your locker you're not paying attention to the things that you need to be paying attention to you're anxious because you're in a classroom full of kids that you, you don't even know who they are because now you're in a middle school and some of your friends went somewhere else and other new friends are coming in. But, but there's just all of these things that sometimes I think get taken for granted a little bit. And so these pieces all kind of come together to play in with that already existing anxiety. And so that transition can cause that struggle. And that struggle can sometimes be – um, um, misidentified as being off task or misbehavior and it's simply because the student just doesn't have the prerequisite skill to be successful just yet and so it's it's one of those things where the importance and the why comes in we want students to be successful when they are successful because they've got all of the things that they need to be successful then it makes this makes success in the classroom and the school
0: And it's not only misbehavior, Joe, it's also not being able to – you kind of said it's not being able to concentrate on academics. The the teachers – and I have to go back to my experience, and I bet it's not that different for kids, okay? Suddenly you've got different teachers for different subjects. They have different personalities. They have different ways of assigning things. And meanwhile, your world is a jumble. Okay, Uh, I I remember being one day or two days into junior high, and basically, what the hell was going on around here? And your line about the locker just cracked me up because I remember that day I had never used a combination lock in all my life. We have to uh, spin the dial. Uh, Okay, and I remember they gave us all these locks. Okay, and at the windup up, they gave us a one-minute explanation of how to work it. Okay.
2: Yeah. And you're all yeah.
0: mixed up anyway and it was just one more thing. I just funny you would bring that up. It's like a psychology session. Does anybody have a couch for Larry? It's unbelievable here. Okay? And it's just <laughs> so so well, difficult. Okay? With all these yeah, things, do we really it, it, it's academics and behavior, okay? And we have to take our time with this stuff and have it make sense. Go ahead, Joe. Finish up your thought
2: you are you're spot on and you're and you're you're right there and i was just going to add like this is this is always especially that transition from elementary to middle school so many things are led (laughs) by the elementary school teacher because we stay in those groups and and i always use the analogy of it's a lot like having kind of the leader duck with all the little ducks and so (laughs) when we when we send of ducks in the middle school, we take that leader duck away and, and, and they get a little bit lost in that. And everything from I don't know how to use a combination locker and I, I'm right there with yeah. you. I had that issue too. I was yeah. I, that just wasn't that was too mechanical for me back then. Um but yeah, it just it's it's everything from those pieces all the way up to how do I know what I'm supposed to get out of my locker to go to my next classroom.
0: Bingo. And so
2: it's just it's really, you know, thinking in terms of those pieces that, that oftentimes get a little bit overlooked.
0: It really is. And by the way, Joe's doctorate is in working a combination lock. That was your thesis. Am I correct? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. i remember never years. reading it. It was excellent. It was excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Karen, yeah. you yeah. Were, And, you know, I love talking to you guys because I'm talking about things that happened too many years ago to even count, okay? And you guys are right in line with it right now, and it's the same challenges. It's the same challenges. I mean, it's just just absolutely wild, okay? Karen, okay, talk about this. Again, you're Chief Program Officer for Responsive Classroom, okay? And talk about... As you talk to people and, and those people I'm talking to, including the whole group of school leaders, teachers and parents, this is a stressful time, and we're talking here about uh, we're talking about the kids, but it's stressful because there's a frustration level for, for parents as, well, you mm-hmm. want kids to succeed, and it can't be this, this craziness as we, we've been talking about. What did you hear from schools as you were putting Bridge Forward together?
3: Yeah, so program, Larry, the I think you hit it on the, I think you hit it on the head when you talked about you know you can we can all think back to our experiences we had and the beauty of what we do in response to classroom is we really address immediate problems that are in classrooms but also perennial problems and this is this uh, is a perennial problem of practice because it's been happening forever and as I talk to leaders and we've been talking to different schools about putting together this these products, it was like, yeah, we deal with this every year. Thank you for naming it and realizing that we need some resources around this because it is so critical. And as you had mentioned, uh, it's not just the behavioral issues. It is the academic issues. And we know from the research that there's there's a drop in scores at those. So there's academic drops for students at those critical transition periods. Um, And, and, some of the data around the it being a make and break year for ninth graders you know so so these big transitions do have a a big impact and as we've been talking with leaders they recognize that but it's not just the leaders as you said it's also about how do we help schools help all the stakeholders because it's more than just the leader yep. it's, it's the teachers being involved and the parents being involved because even as a parent you see You know, you see your child come home, and they're not going to tell you, you know, I'm really having trouble with this transition, and I'm in a new place, and I don't know what to do. It comes out in so many different ways. You see a change. Like, you you can almost, you sense it. You know when your child's kind of struggling with something, but they're not going to come out and say it. And so being able to, to just know developmentally this might be what's going on with them, here's how you could engage in the conversation with them, those are resources all schools would love to be able to share with parents so that yeah. they, they can really partner with them to really understand what's happening and at the classroom level understanding how we can, it can be supported granularly through advisories. Um, many places have these homeroom periods, study hall periods, advisory periods, and are not really sure what to do. And our approach in general helps with those advisory periods. But at these just discrete moments where we're moving from one place to the other, it's a prime place for those advisors to really help support students with understanding, you know, you, you are all with new people. You may not be in the same pod with your best friend and that, That alone can be an adjustment that I'm not spending my day with my best friend who I've spent first through, you know, kindergarten through fifth with. They're in a completely different pod. I'm with new people. I may or may not see them today, depending on my class schedule. And so that's an adjustment. And so just really from all levels, what we've tried to do is think about what do schools need from that school level to be able to mm-hmm. set up structures and systems so they can transition? What do the teachers need to be able to kind of have a grade number one-on-one with some students through advisory? And then the parents, how, what resources can we put in their hands really quickly to help them engage in conversations with their students and really kind of understand what's going on and, and know that this is what should be happening and, and how can we support them through that? So, as I've been talking to leaders. We were just at the superintendent's council, our, our conference, mm. and I was talking to superintendents. They're just, their eyes Over like were, were you down, at, when? down when? in Austin at yeah, AASA? Yeah, yeah, yes. hey, was that was, where you were? Kidding, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And, and, and the, it, there's just enthusiasm because we've not, not only named a problem, they all knew existed, um, but we've helped put that together because open houses and those kinds of things exist, but there's not a comprehensive here's a roadmap to follow to really be able to just pull off the shelf and be able to address this perennial problem. And that's what what we've aimed to create for them.
0: And, and you know, you you bring up an interesting point because you're saying, and I agree with you, it's a perennial problem, a perennial challenge. And we had it back when when I was a kid, which was in, in the 1800s, okay? At least it feels that way, Okay. To, to today. And I'm curious about something, and Karen, I don't know if, if you've ever thought about this or know the answer to it, but uh, has, has, is there anything, I, I've never heard of it, in an education school where they're training people to become teachers, okay, do they ever talk about this transition and help it, and, and teach, teach teachers that this is coming down the pike, that you've got to be different with a kid when they start a new school? All right, and, and I mean, there's some, it's, it's kind of a natural thing to understand, but sometimes, you know, a teacher gets used to it. They've been in the school for a long time. They take it for granted. But every kid, this is not derogatory about teachers. It's generic, and I'm curious, okay, how do the, Did you know how the education schools approach this, if at all?
3: Yeah, that was, um, Larry, I'm glad you said that, because it actually came out through through our look that there were, and realization that there were really not a lot of resources around it. So, uh, about six years back, we developed the the middle school approach, which is the counterpart to our elementary approach, with the understanding that middle school, by nature, is a transitory period. You know, it was created oh, yeah. by the history of middle school to be able to help transition and help ease students into that high school setting. And mm-hmm. so by the nature of design, it's transitory and really being able to take care of what's happening for those students at that at that age level, because um, it, it's a big, those adolescent years are big transitional years. So there's been attention to that need. However, at the discrete transition point moments, you know, when they're making those big changes, The data is clear, and there's recommendations. So what we did find is a lot of different recommendations. And Joe did a lot of the literature review, so he could speak a little bit more about what specifically he found. But there was a lot of recommendations around you need to have this in place. So it named things that needed to be in place. Um, that, and that, AMLE that's, that's a couple of years back, yeah, a couple of years back, AMLE did some feature work around that in some of their, editor- through their editorial calendars through the magazines and the publications they do. So there's been this naming of, hey, you should be aware of it. Um, yeah, but it didn't really go beyond that. It didn't really go beyond what should you be aware of, what are the skills they need to know. And how do you handle
0: it? You've you you, you you got to be aware it, of it, but how, how do you, you, handle you handle it? it? And, it's, and exactly. especially, I'm going to go to Joe in just a second, and especially in these days when there's a shortage of guidance counselors, school counselors, Absolutely. okay, and, you know, it's harder to get the social services the kids need, okay, uh, it's school services, okay, that they might need as they make the transition, that those people are, are those incredible important people are, are fewer and further between, uh, apart, Okay? It's hard these days. Joe, talk about this. Uh, and, and talk about Bridge Forward and some of the resources. You know, the resources uh, resources are designed to support teach, uh, kids moving from elementary to middle and middle to high school. Well, like, what are they? Joe, and just talk about, if you want, what uh, what uh, Karen and I were just talking about.
2: Yeah, so you, you and Karen really kind of hit the nail on the head with this. She and, did. And I it, did. It's one of the-
0: I, I provided the <laughs> nail. Karen hit it. Good God! Good job. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, it was—it was—it was it was it was great listening to the two of you cause, because because uh, you know I really do think that part of what was fascinating and kind of researching this was the idea around there were tons of of articles and resources out there that talked about how students needed to be supported at this at this in this juncture and with this transition. But it really didn't talk a lot about what that would look like and yeah. so it was kind of right. one of those you know t- yeah right it was kind of one of yeah. the typical Terrific. type of, of yeah. things where it would say hey students really need this and then it would just move on to the next thing and so what we worked on was trying to figure out how do we uh, support students at this age and if you think about it there's there's really three ways that that students are being impacted here and it's it's by the teacher By the school as a whole and then at home with the parents and so what Mm -hmm. we worked on was creating in class resources we created school-based resources and then we worked to create some teacher or some parent resources excuse me and so in the classroom using those existing advisory periods to have conversations about how do you effectively use a locker what does three minutes in a passing period feel like how do you deal with it when you're when you your your, um, your your friends are not in your class. So we really work to, to develop some advisory lessons to help um, both the sending teachers, so the elementary school teachers that are getting ready to send their kids, we put lessons in that they can use, and then the receiving teachers, so your sixth grade teachers, and then your eighth grade teachers, as they're sending, we've got lessons for them. Ninth grade teachers, as they're receiving, we've got lessons for them. From a school perspective, we really looked at it from the middle and high school because those are the two places where they're receiving that. And so we developed counselor resources. We developed things for visit day opportunities, peer mentorship opportunities, uh, and we really outlined a lot of language pieces for both the the school-based and and the the parent-based. One of the things we really wanted to do um, for both educator and parent, though, is also provide them um, a real good basis for what is going on with a kid at this age. And so, we really tried to focus a lot on the the information that we have that's out there in regards to um, the development that's going on at these ages and and how to support students at these ages. And so... What what we tried to do was take you know going right back to the conversation that you just had with Karen like you, you all did such a fantastic job and and Larry even you talking about like your experience when you made these transitions like really outlining here's here's why this matters I mean it matters because students are being impacted by this and so if oh, this is absolutely. one more thing that And, and, you know, I come from a special education background, and one of the things when I used to work with students with special needs, the thing that always used to stand out to me is we put a lot of process barriers in front of content. And so this, again, is one of those attempts to remove some of those process barriers and create some equity for all students. And so we've worked to create those, and you'll find a lot of responsive classroom practices in this from the responsive advisory meetings to the teacher language piece, to the adolescent development piece. Um, and, you know, the, the one thing that Karen mentioned that I, I just want to, to circle back to, because I think it's really sure. important, is these are really easy to plug in. It's not on top of everything you're doing. It's in combination with what you're doing. And so, because we were really conscious about trying not to give extra stuff for teachers to do.
0: Oh, no, they don't have the time to do it, and that's the that's the key. And you guys know what you're doing with that, okay? And that's that's been the, the the factor for years. That's why I, I love having you guys on the show because you know this stuff and you know it. But I got to ask you a question, Joe. What do the resources look like? Are they? And this is going to be a funny question. I'll show my age in a second. Are they books? Yeah. Are they pamphlets? Are they posters? Are they videos? Are they vignettes on on, on the screen? What What do the resources look
2: like? So we have the, – the resources are, to my, are within a book. And so there are multiple books to this, and they come in different packages. Um, and so you can go to our website, and you'll find the, the packages on there, as well as some links to some of the individual resources. So they are book-based. With that said, Larry, there are some QR codes that are printed within the book <laughs> that will take – um, that, yeah, they'll that take uh, leaders – Parents and and teachers to videos of um, students talking about this, um, seeing these things in action. Um, we we've done these in classrooms, and so we've got some video of, of them being done. Um, and so there's some great resources um, contained via QR codes as well as 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 the book. And so, but yeah, they are books and they are um i think we are are they're actually in our warehouse and we're getting ready to start shipping them so going to the I'm website just ask you that, yeah. to yeah.
0: this is cool and uh, Kristen, you there i'm Kristen? still here oh good <laughs> yep i knew you were there i just i just was in case you had it on mute i wanted to give you a second to uh to put it back on okay your mic back on and um I'm I'm curious if, if they're they're in book form, which I think is great, by the way. What, if, if a school wanted to order The Bridge Forward, what what would they have to order to be able to make it work? Is it one huge volume? Is it like 19 volumes, like the Old World Book?
1: I mean, <laughs> how does it
0: actually shake out, and where would they? You know, you know what I'm asking. How, what, what does it all look like yeah, in that yeah. regard?
1: It's a great question. Um, so we have a
0: school leader
1: guide, and I would say that's the, 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 the biggest book there because the school leader guide it talks about the entire Bridge Forward program, has samples of the other booklets in there, and then also has resources for school counselors and everyone really in the school building. And then there are teacher guides, so those a school leader could hand to classroom teachers And that has the responsive advisory meeting plans, the tips on teacher language, the tips on um, lessons to teach SEL skills. And then there are parent guides, which are even thinner than that, but comprehensive enough that, um, and there are a bunch of those that come with it, and the idea is that the school leader or the classroom teacher hands out to parents this guide that will help them through these transitions. Yeah, and Larry
3: could. And kind of back to piggyback on that um, okay. what we've done is we've created set packages at each level that kind of take into account um, the volume that educators and schools might need to be able to execute it so for example um it it comes in it can come the packages comes in set so each package, for example, in middle school would contain one leader guide um, for four classroom resources and then Up to I think it's 96 or 120 parents. So, and when they order, when schools order a package, they also, when they receive their package, they will get a a user guide that explains to them and gives them ideas on how to bring this to their school, how to um, roll it out with their school, when they might Mm -hmm. distribute the parent books. How they might guide their teachers through the conversation and the stakeholders through the conversation. So there is set packages, and then schools can customize from there. So larger schools could order multiple packages, or get a base package and then add individual items to meet their individual, you know, customer base need. But they are they are packaged in a way that schools can kind of um, look at standard packages to start mm-hmm. with, and then supplement and and expand upon that.
0: Yeah, and I and I'm gonna say what I what, kind of what I said before. Thank you, Kara. By the way, okay. What what I, you know? If schools miss this, if they don't get the transition right, okay, they're going to lose. And I don't know what the number is, but I'll make it up. They're going to lose ten to fifteen percent of the kids. The kids will not catch up for a long, long time, and it's and it's going to hurt. Them in everything they do, socially as well as academically. Okay, you got to get the transition right for all the kids and understand that. Okay, and it's hard. I'm gonna. I can speak as one for a secondary school. I'm for sure someone who's trained in secondary education, and in many cases, that's very heavily subject trained. In my case, history. Okay, that. You, the school has to really lead. It, it, like you said, it's still a problem. Okay, a, a thousand years after I went to school, you'd think it would be fixed by now. Okay, but it isn't, and it's probably worse now than ever with the pandemic, et cetera. That's why this is so darn important. And I got to ask, Kristen. I know you guys. Do you think you're going to be doing? Uh, is there a plan to do professional development um, uh, seminars for? Um, teachers or or school leaders with this. This is great. It's good stuff. We need it.
1: Thank you. I think um, we have in our plans to do some informational webinars, and um, we'll see where that takes us. Um, We may, you know, incorporate some of this. Uh, We have one-day workshops for school leaders, and so some of this may be incorporated into those. Um, So we're, you know, as as you know, we change with the times, and we try to keep up with the need. Oh, yeah. So we're always yeah. um, shaping our program. So, uh, yeah, if there's a need for it, we certainly
0: will. Yeah, and it's th- and I'll yeah. say it again. And using Karen's word, it's time to end, quote, this perennial problem. Okay? Yeah. It's it's, and so, it's, in- it's, in- hello, it's time to end it. Yes, yes.
3: Yes. <laughs> and, Larry, if I, if I can, it's interesting. Um, I had to... I was actually at a school visit this weekend um, for my child, who's going to to a, a competitive engineering school, and we had a student tour. and He talked a lot about what they would need and the different kind of programming, but he hit so much on what would help them be successful because they're all bright students, they are academically inclined students to even get accepted. But he talked so much about the importance of some of these skills that. That we actually are helping students learn, such as time management. And he drilled upon, you know, you need time management. Like that's what's going to help you be successful. And a parent raised her hand and said, "Well, how do they learn that?" And I thought it so interesting because we take for for granted the work that we do because it just seems so natural to us. But here, here's a student getting ready to enter into college, and doesn't know that time management is important or how to even learn about time management. And that stuff is trickled and embedded throughout these programs. And that's just one of the transitional skills that we know individuals A need.
0: So, A perfect example. A perfect example. were you referring to your son going to college, higher ed, or, or high yes, school? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, college.
0: He, he, it, yes, he has to, to learn level time level. management. And, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, every, and, and the professors, as well as teachers in K-12, think that you kind of take it for granted. You can't do that. Not elementary teachers. I got to withdraw that. Secondary <laughs> teachers. Okay, they, you you can't take it for granted anymore. Okay. This is great stuff. Unfortunately, I'm running out of time, so I've got to let you guys go because I could talk about this for hours. Okay, but I'll, t- I'll change it and talk to my psychologist on this because this is – it, <laughs> it just brings up so much stuff. It's unbelievable. Karen, thank you, Joe. As always, both of you, Karen, come back. Kristen, it's always great. Enjoy shoveling tomorrow, just as I will here in Maine.
1: <laughs> thank you, Larry. Good luck in the storm okay. and uh, <laughs> yeah. congratulations on your hey, new thanks. website. It
0: looks fabulous. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, let me just say, a dot org. Everybody check it out. Thank you for saying that. We appreciate it. All right. I'll survive yet another Nor'easter here in here in March in Maine. So thanks guys. Have a good day. Take care of yourself. Okay. Enjoy that thank snow, Karen. You. Thank, thanks. thank Bye-bye, you. Thanks. Um, bye bye guys. Okay, everybody, that's, it. that's the Center for Responsive Schools. It's crslearn.org or responsiveclassroom.org. You can go to either one. Okay, Joe, Karen, Kristen, thanks so much. Well, archive at ace-ed.org. Thanks for bringing that up, Kristen. We're very proud of the new website. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks so much for listening.